readers, writers, listeners. Welcome. This is the Page Turners Podcast. I'm your host, Miranda, an avid reader, a published author, and a longtime listener of podcasts. This is the Page Turners Podcast, Season 2, Episode 3. Happy Thursday, everybody, or whatever day of the week it may be when you're tuning in to listen to this episode. We're going to go ahead and dive right into our discussion today rather quickly, but before we do, I wanted to talk a little bit about something that is going to directly relate to today's author. So this may be a little bit of a strong topic, but it's my opportunity to inform you guys about something that um, affected my family. So SIDS is the unexplained death of a baby, and that baby is usually less than a year old and seems to be healthy, and SIDS often occurs during sleep. And when my cousin, Tayton, was six months old, we lost him to SIDS. This was a terrible tragedy for my family and my aunt especially, but over time she was able to, you know, connect with people who could help her through that grief and also be able to educate others about SIDS. And she met this really incredible woman here in South Dakota who had gone through the same thing. They had also lost a child to SIDS and she helped connect her with resources. She also got our family involved in a sudden infant death syndrome awareness run every spring on Mother's Day, which has been something that my family does every single year. In fact, last year we donated a little free library to the community of Spearfish, South Dakota in memory of my aunt and my family, but also my cousin Tayton. So educating people on SIDS and making sure that this is a topic of conversation all through the month of October, even throughout the year, something very, very important to me and today's guest. So without further ado, we're going to dive right in and meet the amazing woman who helped my aunt and helped my family and is now helping others process their grief and understand SIDS. Episode 3 features Bree Edwards. Uh, my name is Bree Edwards. I am a wife. I'm a mother of six. Um, and one of those six, um, we lost to SIDS in 2008. So with that, I've created a lot of mission um, and purpose in my pain by reaching out to other families and um, really just working in a grief ministry. Um, so as part of that, then uh, within the last year, sent a book out into the world called A Thousand Pounds. Um, so it's been yeah, a fun adventure learning some about the literary world. That's very exciting. Before we get into you know the serious topic of your book and then of course literacy, I wanted to say I was thinking about our interviewer discussion earlier and I love the name Brienne, but I've never really heard it other than meeting you and Game of Thrones. Have you seen oh. Game of Thrones? <laughs> um, bits and pieces, but I have not seen all of it there. <laughs> there is a character whose name is Brienne. And for whatever reason earlier, when I was getting stuff ready for this, that came to my mind. So <laughs> it's funny. So I think my parents were actually watching Jeopardy and there was a contestant um, with my name, <laughs> which is how they 
fell in love with the name and how funny yeah (laughs) I always love to hear um how people end up with their names whether it's a common name or you know something that's a bit more unique but that's not what we're here to talk about (laughs) um tell us a little bit more about your journey to becoming an author and your book a thousand pounds specifically yeah so the journey was a very long road um it started well I mean even just like for our nonprofit. I would write little blog posts and um, have a lot of people that would respond to free. You should think about writing a book. And um, I liked the idea of that, but it was just so big. And the loss of a child is such a big experience. Uh, I couldn't ever really wrap my head around exactly what that book would look like. And um, who, who exactly is your audience and which parts of the story are you telling? Because it really encompasses everything about your life Um, and so it was just lost in the abstract for a really long time this idea of yeah it might be nice someday if I find the right thing I'll write a book Um, and then one day um, gosh it it probably took me two years of kind of prep time with the book so it would have been three years ago now or so I was talking to a cousin of mine who has dreams that often mean something uh, I think she called three of my pregnancies before I told anybody. So she'd call me up and say, hey, oh, I had a dream. You're pregnant and it's a boy. I wasn't really going to tell anybody till next week, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she doesn't ever make too much of it. But I was talking to her on the phone one day and she said, oh, yeah, by the way, I had a dream you were writing your third book. And I kind of laughed and I said, oh, really? Like, did you happen to catch a title in an outline? <laughs> she goes, well, no, not exactly, but one of them was called A Thousand Pounds. Mm-hmm. And when she gave me that title, like it's it's based on an analogy that I've used for grief for a long time, that in the beginning, it's like somebody drops a thousand pounds on your chest and you can't think, you can't breathe, you can't move. Um, it's an all-encompassing sort of weight that um, is really is crushing in every way. But it's not a weight that ever goes away. It's a weight that little by little you learn to carry. Um, And so when she gave me that title, the outline just came to me. And so I think later that afternoon, I sat down and outlined the whole book. I knew exactly what it would look like. Um, And then from there, just started filling in the pieces a little bit at a time. That's exciting. Did you ever think that you would write a book or that you would become an author someday? Is that something that ever crossed your mind kind of maybe even before, you know, entering this world and entering into, you know, having to, to deal with SIDS and, and this pain? No, um, it really was not ever, it was not ever a pipe dream of mine. It was, um, not until well into the my grief journey and well into starting to write about it where I was starting to see that the things that I was writing were resonating with people and helping give words to a grief that's indescribable. Um, I know how much benefit I got in my early grief from reading other people's stories. Um, and so new, just like providing language to help describe what you're thinking and feeling um, does a lot for just the processing and the healing after such an enormous loss. Um, And so it was there that like really seeing the value of what those stories mean for other people. Um, And then, yeah, hearing that, well, what I'm writing is resonating and maybe it is something that I should think about. And there's enough there for a story, 
but yeah how do you how do you formulate that and condense it actually into a book format that makes sense for somebody else to read right so my community service initiative and why I started the Page Turners podcast through Miss America is because I want to help increase literacy rates and really open up the conversation about access, education, and representation. And so I wanted to have you as one of our guests on the podcast because I think that that kind of fits into the representation piece. You know, it's it's kind of a a niche audience, you know, dealing with this grief, but also kind of like you said, you know, putting those stories out there so that people can begin to understand pain and maybe pain, not just through losing a child, but maybe kind of in general. Yeah, I think that's been one of the neatest things um, about seeing the book go out into the world. Of course, I was writing it as if I was sitting across the table from another parent who had lost a child to SIDS Mm -hmm. Um, and the things that I you know wish that in one sitting I could I could tell them um, about the journey that they're um, just embarking on but to hear the feedback from people who have read the story with all kinds of different life experiences and different pains um, that were finding something in there that was that was meaningful uh, was was really interesting to me just because I, I never could have written for an audience as broad as what is pulling something out of what I wrote. Mm-hmm. So as I mentioned, education is a big piece. And, and for me, of course, that's education about the importance of literacy. But I think this is also a perfect opportunity to educate people on what is SIDS. You know, um, the part of the reason that I know you is because my family went through um, a situation with my cousin where we lost him at six months old to SIDS, to sudden infant death syndrome. But before that, I, especially as a middle schooler, had no idea what that meant. And I think a lot of people kind of around us didn't realize what that meant in until it impacted our family. So would you mind just kind of touching on that a little bit to maybe help educate people? Yeah, I love that you're asking that. Um, so SIDS is the unexpected death of an infant. It's a diagnosis of exclusion, meaning that they've done full autopsy, um, full death scene investigation, and there's really nothing that comes up um, to describe as a cause of death. Um, and when that's the case, then It can be labeled as a SIDS death. Um, SIDS specifically is between birth and one year of age. There's actually similar phenomenon that happens. Um, It's a continuation of that uh, for older kids sometimes called SUDC or sudden unexpected um, death in childhood. Um, But it's it's a phenomenon that's really not very well understood. There's some really great research that's coming out and starting to learn that it seems to be kind of multiple things. But it's interesting, there are even biblical references of babies dying um, during the night. And so it's something that's been around for as long as recorded history um, and still something that we have a lot to a lot to learn about. We know that there are ways that you can reduce the risk of SIDS. So just like we wear a seatbelt in the car to reduce the risk, knowing that that's not going to guarantee that it will save our lives, um, but it keeps us safer. Um, So those safe sleep things, you know, putting babies to sleep on their backs, putting them in their own space, um, doing it without loose blankets, loose um, stuffed animals, pillows, those kinds of things we all, we know um, is like the seatbelt of sleeping for babies. 
I appreciate you sharing that because, you know, we, we lost my cousin um, when I was a middle schooler. And so I was babysitting. I was nowhere near thinking about, you know, my future of potentially having children, but I was a babysitter. And so that was kind of a wake up call for me of, of really being diligent and paying attention. And, you know, someday, maybe if I get the opportunity to become a mother, just knowing that this is something that could happen. And there are ways that you can try to prevent that. Um, this podcast is kind of for anyone and everyone, any age group who's listening. So I think that's really important for anyone to hear, um, especially if they have, you know, children in their lives in any way. Yeah, anywhere from the you know, the siblings that uh, may be younger, the older kids that are starting to babysit, grandparents, um, everybody can benefit from that knowledge. And just knowing that you're you know, putting babies down in the, in the safest place for them, um, and then there's peace of mind that comes in with that, knowing that if the worst were to happen, um, that you can look back and know that, but I did the best I could and they were where I knew that they should be. Um, and so it keeps you from having, having to live with the guilt of wondering, um, could it have been different if, um, if my baby had been sleeping somewhere else? Yeah, Absolutely. So kind of switching gears a little bit, um, you know, we talked about how you became an author and why you became an author, which was sort of, you know, random, not something that maybe you had thought you wanted to do. Um, but were you or are you an avid reader? Is that a big part of your life? Yeah, and especially um, after our loss and really... Well, up until that point, I am a physician assistant. So my reading was textbooks <laughs> for a lot of years. <laughs> the fun stuff. Uh, right. Um, but then, you know, once I had gotten to that point in my life, I had graduated from school and really just the the perspectives and the wisdom that can come through reading um, is, is profound. Um, it's a continued education. It's stuff that moves your heart um helps you grow and so yes I I love to be able to read and when I, it's much harder for me now with my house full of kids to be able mm -hmm. to actually sit down and read a book uninterrupted so right now it's a lot of audiobooks uh, <laughs> those are kind of the as best we're though. on the go right mm -hmm. <laughs> I would love to ask that question because, you know, there are some people who are avid readers and became authors or on unique reading journeys, and there are other people who were not, or they, you know, only liked reading some books because the end frustrated them, and that's why they became an author. So I'm always interested to hear, um, especially kind of how those journeys intertwine. But with that being said, do you have a favorite book? I always love to ask that one as well. Oh, gosh, there are a lot of good ones. My husband teases me because he says that I only like to read like female religious self-help kinds of books. Um, so nonfiction tends to be my go-to. Um, the, the one that's coming to mind right off the top of my head is called Interior Freedom by Jacques Philippe. Um, it's a beautiful little book and a little read that um, just kind of coaches somebody through finding like interior peace and interior freedom. Um, there's a lot that we wrestle with um, in regard to the hard things that we're experiencing uh, and learning to be able to let go of that fight a little bit and live in that space more peacefully. Um, it was just it was beautiful in the way it's written and its depth and ease um, all at once. It sounds like a great book. 
So you said that you are an avid reader. That's something that you loved and you do love to do. But is there something in particular that ignited your love for reading? That's one thing that I found is there are so many people who say, you know, I don't like to read because maybe they don't feel that connection to it. So was there something for you that sort of ignited that when you were maybe younger? Um, younger, I, I think really the, um, the space for that came in just in that grief journey, um, connecting to those stories and picking up just little bits of, yeah, that perspective and wisdom that comes with, uh, that comes with reading, knowing that you're not alone in, in the things that you're going through. Uh, there's so much that books can offer um, in in that space, and that's and that's really what has continued to drive me um, to keep picking up the next one. <laughs> so we're gonna transition a little bit from kind of your reading journey, your love for reading, and talk a little bit more kind of big picture. Um, so one thing that I've learned kind of in my research is that half of adults can't read above an eighth grade level. And then only one third of fourth graders will reach a proficient reading level. So that in turn, you know, affects opportunity in life. It affects health, um, you know, so many things. How do you think we change this? How can we inspire the next generation of readers to, you know, share their stories or be open to reading stories, you know, maybe kind of like yours? I, I think encouraging it. So interestingly as a mom then mm -hmm. so my oldest um when he was little we hadn't we didn't have much of a book collection yet um for little ones but one of the books that we did have was the dr seuss abcs mm. and so we would make a habit of nightly like sitting down with him and reading and that book was read often because it was one of the few that we had um and then i was sitting with him one day when he was like about 16 months old um and we were looking at a at a different book and he was pointing at the letters and making the letter sounds and I was like I am pretty sure that my 17 month old here knows his letters <laughs> and I remember calling my mom and she was like no um and then that was just before Christmas so we were home for the holidays and so my mom had told the family that you know that my toddler knows his letters and <laughs> nobody believed us and so they'd pull him into a room separately to ask him the letters and like by George he knows them <laughs> um and so I think like that taught me a lot we underestimate significantly um how early kids can pick up on those and what that repetition does for them I didn't I didn't know I was teaching him uh to read um before he could barely talk, he was one day sitting in his car seat, had his head cranked, and he was, whoa, whoa, ah, er, he was sounding out the warning sign, the label um, on the inside of his car seat. And um, so I, yeah, just, just exposure and taking the time to sit with him, making reading a warm experience, um, I think brings a lot of value to helping kids want to read and want to spend some time around it um my kids have gotten so that like being able to read a book and share it with each other and be able to talk about it and they like have a whole new language around things um just because of the shared books that they've read mm -hmm. uh, and so it's become just in our household um just a 
a warm bonding experience um, to be able to read some of those bigger stories. Mm -hmm. That's great. Uh, so I think that actually kind of lends into the next thing that I'd like to talk about, which is sustaining that passion. So we kind of talked about how we, you know, ignite that and you talked about it at a young age, you know, just making that something warm and inviting for children to want to do, to want to read. But what, how do you think we sustain that? You know, you get into high school, you get into college and it gets harder to read because you're reading textbooks and then you get into adult life and it seems like, how do I have the time to do this? But do you have any ideas for how we sustain that, how we make that a priority in our lives? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, for me, it's really been just the desire for continued growth mm -hmm. um, that has kept me coming back. Um, my oldest, that's now a senior in high school, still when he's got downtime, um, it's finding like for him, it's been finding genres that he loves to be able to go back to. And, you know, yes, there's the assigned reading, um, and, and those are all good, but experiencing enough different genres that you find what ignites that love and that desire to come back, uh, for more. Um, and I think like with a lot of things in life, you know, once, once we've given, um, someone those roots even if there are times where you have to fall away from it um, just because of the busyness of life or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever your season, um, that kind of ember just stays there and it doesn't take much to, to reignite that. Mm -hmm. um, I love that verbiage roots and kind of ember. Cause for me, I, I tend to talk about it as like a foundation, you know, reading creates a foundation, but I love that, that it's, it's something that's kind of built within you. I think I'm going to steal that actually roots um, <laughs> because it is. I mean, I think, especially, you know, if you can instill that love for reading at a young age that grows up, you know, within you literally as you grow up, you know, it's important for your education, your schooling, your entire life and, and agreed, you know, there may be times where that kind of falls to the wayside, but it's still important and it's still important to have that within you. Um, so I'm, I'm stealing that roots. That's good. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have, um, many more questions. Is there anything else that you would like to add kind of in this discussion? Is there anything that you think we may have missed when kind of talking about literacy as a whole, a thousand pounds, anything like that? No, I'm just excited about what you're doing and the work that you're doing, um, inspiring, inspiring people to read and come back to reading. And so I just want to congratulate you and thank you for oh. <laughs> all of your efforts. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I've had lots of really great role models. You know, I even look up to you with what you're doing, you know, um, with the 5K that we participate in every year and now your book. And it's just fantastic to see. And it's fantastic to see all of these role models and especially all of these amazing women that are doing such big things for our community and our state. Yeah. And that's, well, and then maybe that's the other thing to add is those like, our stories matter and they make a difference to other people. So um, for those people that feel like they've got a story to tell, um, tell that story and, and let it land in the hands of the people that need it. Um, it makes a difference. Thank you so much for joining us for the Page Turners podcast. 
make sure that you keep an eye out for the next episode. And until then, leave a review, share with a friend, and check us out on social media at at MissAmericaSD to keep up with all things literacy and falling in love with reading. Catch you next time.